it all kind of came together. My, my dad and my stepmom went through a challenging time and my dad was in St. Louis and, and we were, I'm sure we're in the middle of a fight. And my stepmom came down and she actually asked me, have you ever, have you ever actually, you know, maybe read anything about PTSD or maybe some of the things your dad went through in Vietnam? You know, have you ever taken the time to do that? And at the time, because I was mad and I was young, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I have. And then I left that situation and realized I never had. Welcome to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges. Stigma-Free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org and donations are always welcome at the OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org slash donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Here's today's segment. Today, we're going to visit with Caitlin Miller from her home in St. Louis. Caitlin is the daughter of one of our earlier guests on the podcast, Marine Recon and Vietnam veteran Dan Van Buskirk. This is our first opportunity to speak to a veteran's son or daughter. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, a personal profile, where you grew up and and leading to a career and what you're doing now. Absolutely. So I actually grew up in Elsa, Illinois. Most people would say they're just from St. Louis because it was right across the river. Always went to school in St. Louis. Kind of grew up in a remote area close to if some people in St. Louis are familiar with Principia College. And it was a really beautiful area, played outside a lot as a kid, really enjoyed nature, animals, but ended up moving over to St. Louis when I was in middle school and finished up high school at Kirkwood High School and actually was able to get my bachelor's degree, went to Mizzou for a couple of years and then finished up at UMSL, wanted to be able to work full time and go to school full time and UMSL allowed me to do that. I've kind of done a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm good at a lot of things. I've been kind of in the service industry. I worked with my brother for a while in a family business. And currently I'm at a company called Gauss Acoustics where I do accounting. I also do some senior project management, but I'm a people person. I, you know, I like, I like helping people. I like working with my associates there. And I kind of find that I can kind of jump in and do just about anything pretty well. I'm a, I'm a quick learner. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a good, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> are you, are you married? Any children? I am. Yes. My husband name, my husband is Andy. 
we've been married now for almost eight years. Next month will be eight years. We've been together for almost 12. And we have two young boys. I have a three-year-old, George, and a almost eight-month-old, Wyatt. And we've really, I mean, we, we were married for a few years before we ever had kids. We had a blast, but we were both definitely wanting to have a family. And so we've been very fortunate to have two children and it's just been a lot of fun. And you now have the, the life, family life balance of children and a career. <laughs> yes, especially <laughs> during COVID. Yeah, yeah, those are some remarkable challenges, aren't they? Yes, they are. It's, it's yeah. been a big change. Mm-hmm. So, but we're, we're doing better and, and I think it's, it's made our family stronger. So try to try to focus on that. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let me just recap for our listeners that you are the daughter of, of Dan Van Buskirk. And we met Dan in a couple of earlier segments in the podcast, uh, both of which I might add were just exceptionally powerful. And listeners may remember hearing him recount some of his experiences as a recon Marine in Vietnam and the work that he's done later in life, including his participation in something called Guitars for Vets and also the work he's doing to train service dogs for veterans and really ongoing outreach to other veterans in many forms and fashions. Do you recall when you learned that your dad was a Vietnam veteran, how old you were, for instance? That's such a good question, Bob. I do not recall a specific age. I think my first memory is being on the school bus. I had to have been in elementary school. And I remember almost bragging about my dad being a Marine and serving in Vietnam. So I know that I had to have learned from it, but I don't remember a specific time that he actually told me. Mm -hmm. That so that needless to say, that had some significance for you. Yes, it did. Now, you mentioned a brother. I wanted to clarify. Are there other siblings in your family? Yes, I have an older sister. She's seven years older than me. Her name's Andrea. Mm-hmm. Goes by Andy, same name as my husband, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> she'll never let me live down. I have an older brother who's five years older than me. His name's Connor. We're still in touch. There's definitely been some challenges in our family, but we're still, like I said, my, my brother and sister and I, we're still in touch, still close but always kind of working on those relationships. So mm-hmm. were, were the challenges in some way related to your dad's service? I think so. I think there's, a, I think there's more than that, but I think, you know, we definitely weren't dealt an easy deck of cards with that. I think that the war kind of can come home, doesn't just stay there. So I think we all face challenges. I think that I was the youngest. I'm five years younger than my brother and seven years younger than my sister. And I think by the time that I'm really remembering forming memories, my dad was really working on nonviolence and trying to turn his life around and make some pretty significant changes. So I think I actually got a little bit different. I think just like any young, any youngest kid where you have that much of an age gap, your parents are just a little bit different. And so I think even with my dad being a Marine and just his background, I think that was even more significant for me and probably for my brother and sister as well. I have to uh, state the obvious here, but it's a, it's a key point. And that is you and I have never met Caitlin. So I right. really <laughs> know virtually nothing of your story. Now I want to publicly make you comfortable with the fact that I'm not, I have no intention of asking you to disclose or otherwise converse about something that you do not want to, or that makes you comfortable in some way. 
but some of my questions might sound as if I am poking or probing. That is not the intent. I'm simply trying to find out whatever you are willing to share with us. So please feel comfortable. And if there is something that I do bring up that you are uncomfortable with talking about, uh, it is fine to say, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I would just want to make sure you're aware of that. You mentioned challenges within the family. Would you care to elaborate a little bit on what form those challenges took? I think the biggest challenge in our family has been just keeping relationships. I think something we faced in the past and some of it might stem from just, you know, my dad's background and what he went through is keeping that connection alive. So we've gone through a lot of times in our lives where so-and-so is not talking to so-and-so for several years or, and I, and I, you know, I kind of was always, always felt like I was the exception to the rule. I was always very close to everyone in my immediate family, but, you know, even in my mid twenties, my brother and I went through a time when that, that challenge faced us and we didn't talk for a few years. And that kind of seemed to be the status quo in my family for a little while, kind of who's talking to who, but I think even though some of that still is, and some of that still happens today, I think we're getting better. And I think, I know I can speak for my brother and I, where we're really trying to end that cycle. And, you know, if challenges arise, we can kind of talk through it or work through it instead of just cutting cords and saying, you know, I'm not going to talk to you for the foreseeable future. So I know we're trying to <laughs> improve on that. Sure. How is it, uh, if in fact it, it happened at all, how is it that this was connected to your dad's service and the way that the family dynamic was at work? That, that is to say, the distance between yourself and your brother, for instance. I think some of it was what we saw as young children at home. You know, I think sometimes when things got really challenging for my dad, his kind of go-to when we were young was to really run away and if that meant physically leaving for you know a little while that's what that meant and so i think especially for my brother and and even for me that's what we saw growing up and as you probably know you kind of learn from your parents and even if you try if you think you're a little different you, some of that kind of comes through into your adulthood and through adolescence and i think that 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 was a challenge for my dad where Sometimes maybe he just couldn't face what was going on. It was too overwhelming and had to leave. And as I, as a, as a young adult, when I learned a little bit more about what he had been through and some of the challenges, it all started to make sense to me why that would happen. And it's interesting, even as a now 35-year-old who has two children, every time I come up against a challenge, that is what I, I'm, that's what I want to do is walk out and leave, but I've done enough work and I've learned enough about kind of what, what makes me me and what's important in family to catch that thought, stop and work through it with my husband, work through it with my family and not just walk out the door. And to the point sometimes where I might even say to my husband, I just want to walk out and leave right now. And he just looks at me and he knows this about me and he's so patient but that, that has been a challenge for me even. Yeah. In these instances when your dad would leave for a while, did it cause you to ask yourself, is there something the matter with me? Is his leaving my fault? I don't, luckily, I don't think I ever felt that way because from a very young age, my dad and I were always very close. 
And I always felt very loved by my dad. And I think even though maybe I didn't fully understand why he did it, I don't think I ever blamed myself. I can't speak for my brother and sister. That might be something that happened, but I don't, I don't ever remember blaming myself. I just remember feeling scared and I remember feeling concerned for my mom, you know, because of that, you know, she had three kids, she was working full time and, and I just felt, I felt concerned for her and how she felt and also for my siblings, how they felt. And, but yeah, I, I don't think I ever felt like it was my fault, but like I said, my dad and I fortunately always were close and he always, even though he might say, Hey, I know this is a really hard time. I know that I'm not the best dad, but I want you to know that I love you. I'm so proud of you. And he always made me feel like, you know, like I was the best daughter in the whole world, (laughs) um, which was awesome. And I, no matter what was going on, even when I had, even when I was older and had horrible, you know, boyfriends that weren't nice to me, he never, never made me feel bad about it. He would just kind of slip in some little, you know, words of wisdom here and there to maybe help put me in the right path, but make me feel like I was making the right decisions and that I would figure it out. In these early years when your dad would take some time to try to get it together, I guess is one way of of phrasing it. Did you feel some desire to reach in there and try to help him out or to try to make his life easier in some way? I think so. And I think that's kind of where I had a counselor once tell me that I was the family connector you know, I was the person that kind of, I was the glue. I kind of tried to keep all the relationships together and keep everyone happy. And I think that maybe that stems from some of that, not only trying to maybe help my dad specifically, but also kind of keep everyone else in check and everyone else okay to the best of my ability. When I, (laughs) when I went through a challenge, you know, in my mid twenties, not talking to my brother, I actually had a counselor who told me she was going to fire me. I was no longer allowed to be the family connector. <laughs> I just <laughs> needed to let it go because <laughs> obviously I wasn't doing a very good job. <laughs> you know, I think that I think that I I did want to help my dad, but my way of doing it, right or wrong, was just always talking to him, always telling him that I loved him, and try not to pass judgment where he was at in his life and try to find ways to connect with him it which in some ways was easy because we have a lot in common we both love nature and and love several things um animals and so we were able to always you know when things were kind of tough go for a nature he called them nature walks and it was one of my favorite things growing up we we go for a four mile five mile walk together and just look at the trees and find animals and save turtles and, you know, do whatever we could uh, (laughs) to enjoy being outside. But yeah, I think I tried. I tried to kind of be, I don't want to say, I don't think a pleaser is the right word, but, you know, be in tuned with where he was at, whatever he was interested, try to take an interest in it to to keep that connection. This uh, word connector, I'm wondering, was that Good news or bad news? It sounds like it might be an awful tall task for a person who is a daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I think it is. And I think I think in some ways it's it's good, you know, to to kind of go through that and and be that connector. But I think in other ways, I think you put 
too much of everybody else's, what everybody else cares about on your shoulders, you know? And so, and sometimes instead of letting them work through it and figure it out, you're trying to fix it for them, which as we probably all know, doesn't normally work. So I try not to do that anymore. I try, and I I would say it, you know, a lot of people, even in my line of work, call me, they, they, they refer to me as a diffuser. I always diffuse the situation. So I think it does, I think it does carry over into my adulthood, but hopefully I'm refining it a little bit and using it when it's needed and not using it when it's not needed. (laughs) Were there kids that you went to school with that uh, had in some ways a similar situation, that is to say a parent that had served in Vietnam. And in most cases, in those years, it was a, a male. So it probably would have been a dad or a brother or an uncle. Did you know other kids that had such an experience? I do not remember knowing any other kids that had that experience. I, I felt very unique in that way. I don't ever remember talking to anybody about that. Like I said, I just, I have that one memory on the bus as a young child of, of bragging about it. And I don't really remember talking about it to anybody else until maybe college. But I, yeah, I, I mean, even to this day, I feel like there is something that you would think would make so much sense to talk to other people that have been through a similar situation that, that doesn't happen. You use the word unique, which can be a very positive thing. It can be unique, but it can also, I would guess, be quite a lonely and perhaps scary thing. Was it any of that? I, I think so. I think at times it was, I felt like maybe it was, I mean, I, I always try to look at the positive, but I, so I think at times I felt like it was good because maybe it made me stronger or tougher kind of going through some of this in my childhood and into my adulthood. But in other times, yeah, I think you, and I'm sure my my brother and sister would would agree saying you just kind of wanted to be normal. You don't want to be unique, but really what is normal? <laughs> so I do think, I think, yeah, yeah, growing up, it would have been maybe looked at more as a, as a negative thing, but as an adult, I've been able to work through a lot of it and see the positives from it. I always felt very proud to be my dad's daughter and proud to to be the daughter daughter of a Marine veteran that did and accomplished so much. And even through his adulthood, you know, even after the war, the things my dad did and accomplished, I always felt very proud of that. Even though I know he had times that were incredibly hard and challenging. I also always felt very, very proud that I, f- I feel like you hear a lot, and maybe I don't know if this came from my dad or came from the news or media, or just research I did. I don't know where all this, where this particular piece of information came from, but I felt like a lot of times veterans turn to substance abuse and my dad did not do that. So I never felt, even though maybe there were some other things going on, I was appreciative of the fact that he didn't do that. And he was able to, and like I said, obviously other stuff happened, but with him leaving or just facing some other challenges, having to get help, but I was always very grateful for that. Your dad shared with us that he did, in fact, divorce your mom and that they split up. In retrospect, do you see some of his Vietnam experience playing a role in that breakup? I think so. I think that that, that was a piece, a big piece of it. I don't think it was everything, but I think that, you know, 
as a young child, and, and I'm sure I've shared this with my dad, but I always felt like my dad just loved my mom. I mean, you would just look at him at the dinner table and he just loved her unconditionally. He thought she was beautiful. He thought she was intelligent. He thought she, he thought she was the best mom in the whole world. And I remember always feeling like that wasn't fully reciprocated by my mom. And I couldn't ever really put my finger on why or if it was just me, but I just always felt like, man, my dad really loves my mom, but I don't know if my mom really loves my dad. And as an adult, knowing what they went through and hearing some of the stories and the challenges that they faced, and some of that came from my mom's past, and I know my dad touched on that in his interview, and some of that came, a lot of that came from Vietnam and just his childhood. Looking back, I'm like, man, my mom was really just trying to survive, and so was my dad. And the fact that they made it over 20 years is pretty, pretty incredible in some ways, just with how much of a challenge that they had and, you know, financial challenges, emotional challenges, three kids, <laughs> uh, <laughs> school, trying to complete their degrees. I mean, they had a lot thrown at them and the fact that they made it so long is pretty powerful. But I do think that, you know, what my dad went through and, and was going through from Vietnam and from his childhood had had a big factor. And I remember feeling really happy when he did reach out and get help. And I know he talked about that in his interview, but I felt really grateful for that. And that was after my parents split up. So I think maybe some of that was in a good, in a good way that kind of drove him to get some of the help that he needed and start working on himself. So maybe he felt like he was able to do it then. What were some of the changes that you saw in your dad from the time before he began to seek help, as you described it, to the time that he sought help? What was different? I felt like he was a lot more aware of how Vietnam and his childhood affected him as an adult. So he was, and I also feel like he was able to more openly talk about what he went through, even though it was still hard. I feel like that, because I, I want to say that I, my parents, I was 13 when my parents split up. And I want to say by the time I was maybe 16, 17, I really felt like my dad started opening up more and talking to me more about what had happened. And that was after he had kind of initiated getting some help through the VA and so, and through other groups. So I do, I feel like he was able to open up more, talk to me more about it, which helped me kind of start at least having an idea of you know, what he was going through and how that maybe affected our family. But I also feel like he was able to really start putting his life together in a way that made sense for him. You know, one thing I appreciated is he, he, he didn't jump back into another marriage. He, he spent a long time working on himself. And part of that was, was getting help through the VA. And when he did remarry, I felt like it was, it was very, thoughtful. He, he found an amazing woman. I love my stepmom. And I'm so <laughs> glad he took time to do that. Cause I, I don't know if it would have been good if he had jumped back in before he had the chance to do that. Cause he might not have ever been able to do it. I think he kind of had to be on his own to get that done and start working on it. When your dad began sharing with you that now this is deeper into your high school years, et cetera, did that sharing in any way cause you to change any of your thoughts, how you felt about yourself perhaps, or anything else along those lines? I don't think the sharing, when he started telling me stories, I don't think it 
made me feel differently about myself. I think I was very much focused on how it affected him. I don't think I really started to look at how it affected me and even extending out into the rest of my immediate family until I was in college. So high school, I think it was more just, okay, that's what you went through. Okay, I'm so glad you're working on yourself. Okay, I see some really positive changes. You seem like you're in a better place. You seem like you're, you know, getting your life in a place that makes you more happy. So I think I focused a lot more on how it was affecting him. I don't think I really truly started thinking about our family and myself until when I was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. We are visiting with Caitlin Miller from her home in St. Louis today on the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Caitlin is the uh, daughter of Dan Van Buskirk. Dan is a Marine recon and Vietnam veteran who joined us for a couple of segments earlier in our podcast. And if you haven't had a chance, I'd sure invite you to tune those in. Let's go to the college years, Caitlin. You mentioned those. This was the time when you began thinking perhaps differently about the Vietnam experience and as it related to your dad and perhaps to yourself. What shape did that take, those thoughts? So it all kind of started, I I started out in school thinking I was going to do a business degree and I quickly learned that that wasn't the right thing for me. And, and when I transferred to UMSL, I realized I really wanted to focus on arts. I had always enjoyed being an artist and that's really what I wanted to focus on. And it all kind of came together. My, my dad and my stepmom went through a challenging time and my dad was in St. Louis and and we were, I'm sure we're in the middle of a fight. And my stepmom came down and she actually asked me, have you ever, have you ever actually, you know, maybe read anything about PTSD or maybe some of the things your dad went through in Vietnam? You know, have you ever taken the time to do that? And at the time, because I was mad and I was young, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I have. And then I left that situation and realized I never had and I was, I started to, that moment right there is when I started to actually read some articles on PTSD. I bought a book. I tried to start kind of understanding a little bit about what that is and what my, because at the time, that's what my dad had shared with me that he had been diagnosed with. And so my stepmom obviously had done a lot of that and, and was very familiar with it. And was I'm so grateful to this day that she did. But she called me out on it, you know, and, and kind of started that moment in my life where I started researching it. I started learning more about it and it flowed over through my art degree. It's, it's what I mostly focused on with both my two, two full years of just full art classes. I really focused on what it, what it feels like to be a daughter of a Vietnam veteran and kind of what it feels like to have that war within your house. And it wasn't, it wasn't a negative focus. It was really just kind of working through what that's like and the fact that it's not a very natural thing, but beautiful things can come from that. Beautiful things can come from challenging things. But I really had to work through that. And, you know, I'm so grateful looking back, my, my dad has some of my art on his walls. And sometimes I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty dark, you know, but he was able to be there and, and support me. Same with my mom and not ask any questions and just let me work through it. And he still has my art hanging on his walls and so does my mom. But sometimes I look at my art and I'm like, hmm, that's pretty dark. <laughs> but they, 
they were, you know, very supportive and very loving and kind. And it helped me kind of really look at how that did affect me growing up and start processing that instead of just ignoring it. And I think that also helped me continue understanding what my dad went through. And I, that helped me be able to communicate with him more. And, you know, I don't want to say give him leeway, but, you know, when he called me concerned because I hadn't called him in two days, I understood why, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like, dad, gosh, you're bothering me. It was like, oh, okay, I get it. You're, you just want to make sure I'm okay. You know, you've dealt with a lot of loss in your life and you want to make sure your daughter's okay. Okay. I get it. The art that you describe, seeing it now anyway, as being somewhat dark, what what emotions were you expressing in some of these works? Was it fear or anger? or What was at work there? Uh, maybe a little bit of fear, probably a little bit more like raw understanding, maybe some raw anger, kind of a lot of the subjects of my work were along the lines of being a daughter and not going to war, but the feeling like the war was in my home growing up, kind of, I feel like that's, that's where I come with some of it being a little bit darker, you know, looking at it now, I mean, I have some of the artwork framed in my house and some of the colors are a little bit bold, a lot of red, a lot of blacks. I had a lot of flag imagery, but it was very raw and what's the best word for it? Raw and kind of obscure and worn down maybe. So it wasn't, it wasn't all pretty, but a lot of, I think kind of towards the end of my senior year, as I was continuing to process it and making, make more wor works of art, some of my flag imagery, I feel like became really beautiful and the colors kind of started to lighten up and a little bit easier on the eyes to look at. What are your impressions now as an adult of Vietnam? Of Vietnam itself? Yeah, the Vietnam War. Here, let me, that's probably, it's a pretty broad question. And how about this? You had a dad, you have a dad who experienced uh, some troubling issues on account of his participation in the war. These issues in some form landed on you. You've thought of them for, in some ways, for many, many years, and they all lead back to Vietnam and the conflict that happened there. Do you see Vietnam, the Vietnam War, as, as a sad juncture in American history that affected scores of individuals and their families? Do you see it as, you know, a patriotic uh, kind of uh, event that for a variety of circumstances needed to happen the way it did? Do you think about some of that stuff? I do. And I would say I definitely lean towards, I, I, I wish there was no war. I wish we could find a way to not have that with all respect for for all considerations involved and i mean i i want to feel safe in my life and with that safety cut comes some of this military and wars and you know those are decisions beyond what i could ever even comprehend but if i had the choice and if it were ever possible i i would wish it would have never happened i wish my dad could have gone into the peace corps and could have lived the life he would have loved you know, and not had to face those challenges and go through that. But I guess I look at it as, as it, it did happen and it is what it is. And how do you, how can we, instead of, I, I try not to live too much in the past. I try to look at, it did happen. 
how are we dealing with it? How can we move, move forward? And that's one of the things I love what my dad's done is how can I help those around me, you know, with some of the organizations he's helped start and help support, you know, looking at, okay, this is, this is going on. This is a reality. And what can we do to help those around us? In the years you were at college and, and now subsequent to that in your career, have now have you now met other sons or daughters of Vietnam veterans? Honestly, if I did, I don't even I don't even know if that would ever even it just seems like it seems like such a good idea. And it was something I actually wanted to do um, when I was first married. I wanted to start kind of a really cool coffee shop where people could connect, especially children of veterans. But it just seems like there is a disconnect there where people, I don't know if people are just so consumed in the daily activities of their normal life that that doesn't seem to happen. Or maybe I've just missed a great organization out there doing it. (laughs) Or maybe it needs to be started. It's kind of always been in the back of my mind, some sort of community, whether it's through Facebook or through some, you know, some online platform or through podcasts like this of getting people connected that I I think it would be help. I think it would help me out. I would love it. I would love to talk to other people that maybe went through what I went through or something similar, but no, I I don't feel like I've really had the chance to do that or the opportunity. Yeah. Hey, let's go back to nature walks. I uh, <laughs> and, and I, I'll tell you why. First of all, we just need to take a little breath here because we've talked about some very heavy stuff, and I appreciate your candor greatly. Your dad, in both of our conversations, talked at some length about I'm going to call it his spirituality. And if I can go so far as to maybe use this definition, this is a non-religious, non-emotional part of himself that really is something quite huge. It's a, it's a connection that he has to something greater than himself. And you mentioned your nature walks. Are you still attuned to nature? And by extension, is there a spiritual part of you? Yes, definitely. I think spirituality is huge. I, I am not practicing the same religion that I grew up, but I still very much pray on a daily basis. I still feel very connected to nature to supporting those around me, my family, myself, my community, the world with prayerful thoughts. My dad taught me that. My dad taught me to pray. My mom taught me to pray. Both my mom and my dad taught me to be very spiritual and connected to not only people, but animals. And I remember praying for my dog when I was little and my cat. And, (laughs) and I remember, I mean, just, you know, my dog would go missing for two or three days and I would pray and I would go search for him and I'd find him, you know, in a muddy ravine somewhere in the middle of the forest and bring him home. You know, I mean, I felt very, very connected and I still do very much today. I think, I think my dad's spirituality is incredibly powerful. I mean, to the point where he knows when something is wrong in my life, he might not know what that is, but he knows he senses it. He feels it. I'm sure that carries over to his other relationships. He's he's very connected and aware. I feel like he's someone that can, another thing he's taught me is to set intentions. And that's something I've even taught my husband and hope to teach our children too. But it's a very powerful putting an idea out there into the universe, something that's going to positively affect your life, your family's life, your community's life the world, you know, putting those ideas out there and really, but you have to be so aware. You can't just put the idea out there and then check out for the next week. 
And that's where I probably fall short. Whereas my dad can put an idea out there and then the universe just does magic and brings <laughs> people together, brings him together with who he needs to get something done to help somebody else. I mean, it's really powerful. And I do truly believe that that is what got him through Vietnam and what got him through the challenges after Vietnam. Well, I think the illustration that you've just described points up the fact that clearly your dad has very clear perceptions. And by that, I mean, many Vietnam veterans will speak of, of a kind of static that's left over from combat experiences and other experiences that gets in the way of trying to find or cultivate a peacefulness. But what you've just described is a, is a prime indicator that your dad has this clear path to a perception enough to tune into how you're doing, maybe even in ways that you don't. All of this, by the way, is leading up to my question of how are you doing with memories you have of your experiences with your dad growing up and, and the things that he've gone, he's gone through and you've gone through. How are you doing now? I feel like I'm doing really well. I, you know, I mean, I do think that it, I still have, I've, I still have those thoughts sometimes, like I mentioned earlier of when the, when things get tough, you know, maybe my first reaction is, oh, I should just, I can't do this. I can't handle it. But I'm able to stop, think and go, okay, I can handle this. It's going to be fine. So I think I'm doing really well. Luckily I've had, like I said, my, my dad and my mom have been huge supports in my life. My husband is amazing and incredibly patient. He's seen a lot, you know, he grew up very differently than I did in a Catholic family. His parents are still together. Obviously, they, everyone has their challenges and their ups and downs. But in some ways, I'd say he had a very nice and normal childhood. Money was never an issue. They always had what they needed. His mom was home with them. She was around a lot. I, and, and that's something I probably haven't touched on in this interview is because of what my parents were going through and working full time and getting their degrees, my brother, my sister, and I were alone a lot. So we didn't have that. I, I feel like, and I feel like, you know, when my mom has asked me or my dad's asked me, you know, how are you feeling about childhood and how are you doing? You know, I think that's the one thing that I would like to change for my kids is I, that was, those were the times that I felt scared because I was left alone with my older brother who had was bored and was a crazy teenager and didn't know what to do with his hands and feet and just always trying to figure out something to do to occupy his time. And a lot of that time was beating up on me and <laughs> kicking me out of the house and doing normal, I mean, some of it's normal sibling stuff, but I think it was elevated a little bit just because of our house and our family dynamic. But, you know, I wish my parents would have been around a little bit more and and that could be too, because I was the youngest. And so they thought, well, Andrea's there and Connor's there. They're older, they're in high school. They can watch out for Caitlin. But I, I think they were going through so much on their own, you know, they, that that wasn't a smart idea. So that's, that's something that I would like to change for my kids as I, I want them to be independent. I want them to be able to do stuff on their own, but I want them to know that we're here and we're going to be able to jump in if something is going awry or something that they're facing a challenge or, you know, help out. <laughs> but I feel very fortunate. I, I, like I said, I've got an amazing family. I'm still very close to my parents and my brother and sister are amazing. And I'm just trying to really focus on, on the positives. It sounds like you're doing a very good job of it too, I might say. <laughs> I try. <laughs> you know, you've answered my questions. Is there anything that we didn't touch on or for that matter that perhaps we did that you'd like to reemphasize? Please feel free to do that. Really? I just wanted to say I'm, I'm very 
very honored to be on here with you, Bob. I, I love the podcast that I've listened to so far. I'd love to hear podcasts from other daughters or sons of veterans. I mean, I think that would be incredibly powerful just for me to hear. So I really am looking forward to the work you guys are doing. And I'm really glad my dad was connected. And it's just, it's just an honor. I really appreciate it. Well, we certainly appreciate your being here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Our guest today on the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast has been Caitlin Miller, who joined us from her home in St. Louis. You may recall hearing our conversations earlier on the podcast with her dad, Dan Van Buskirk. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War, by Michael Orban. On behalf of Michael Orban, Bob Bach, and Aaron Schraufnagel, thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.